You're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast, and you're about to hear how to stop willy-nillying food into your mouth and how to give that bod of yours some extra love in the shower. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. I am pumped that one of my favorite plant party products on the planet is sponsoring this episode. If you know me but at all or have spent but a few seconds skimming my Instagram or my recipes, you'll know that Sun Warrior Plant Protein Powder is the Kanye to my West, the bees to my knees, the Wilson to my castaway. Okay, it's a product I wouldn't want to live without. Are you looking for a way to make your smoothies actually fill you up so you don't need a follow-up snack a few minutes after finishing your smoothie? Blend in Sun Warrior. Do you not want to get bloated, gassy, or feel crappy after consuming protein powder? Switch to Sun Warrior. Are you not a fan of protein powders with weird, chalky textures and nasty flavors? Use Sun Warrior. There is a reason I blend Sun Warrior protein powder into every smoothie I make and bake it into every baked good I bake. And that reason is, well, there are many reasons. So head to the show notes at partyinmyplants.com slash 52 to read all about the many reasons and to find out how you can get started with Sun Warrior. Today's guest is really a spokesperson for our insight a publicist for what our unique bodies really want to thrive, a walking billboard for the magic that is meditation. Cassandra Bobzak, the author of Eat With Intention, a health coach and a global meditation teacher, is just bursting with passion for helping peeps create their next level lives, utilizing the food, meditation, and self-care trifecta, or a triangle, as you'll soon hear about. I'd seen Cassandra on the interwebs for a long time, but it wasn't until I met her at the Good Fest where she led an epic meditation, during which I snuck on stage when everyone's eyes were closed to snag some killer pictures. But it wasn't until we met at the Good Fest that I got to witness firsthand just how happy, confident, and truly grounded she is. This is all to say that this chica thoroughly practices what she preaches. So listen to all she preaches in this jam-packed chat and then start practicing. And I can guarantee you'll feel more happy, confident, and grounded too. Cassandra, thank you so much for coming on the Party in My Plants podcast. My God, thanks so much for having me. Woohoo! So we're going to talk about Eating with Intention, which is the name of your game and your first book. (laughs) Just to get going, what is Eating with Intention? What does that mean? Eating with Intention um, is really about communicating with your body. It's about asking your body what it wants and then being really careful about the energy that you're putting anything in your body with, what, you know, what your intention is. But, you know, kind of if you're thinking of a different word for intention, it would be like, what's your motivation to put that in your body? Mm. Um, What's the why there? I love that. What's the why? You know, I talk about that with my clients all the time, you know, thinking about how food makes us feel stuff and you shouldn't just willy nilly food into your body without thinking about how that's going to make you feel and what that's going to do for you and your body. Exactly. And I think that so many people just live on autopilot and it's so easy to get into a routine and to have habits that we pick up 
that we don't even realize sometimes that the breakfast we're grabbing every single day actually is the reason why we can't focus after 10 a.m. Yes. <laughs> or the reason why we need like two lattes to get to lunch. Right. Um, I'm always like a big encourager of people to become a food detective and to just bring that attention to it, to really, you know, take some time and, you know, take a couple of weeks. I mean, I feel like I do this for my entire life. I'm sure you're probably the same way. But like, even if you just take two weeks and like keep a little journal and start noticing and be like hyper vigilant for two weeks about not changing anything you do, Mm -hmm. but just starting to notice, like being like, okay, like grab that bagel on my way to work. And I, at like an hour later, I'm feeling a little sleepy and I got a coffee or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, it's not about judging it, but it's kind of just like switching your awareness on. Yeah. Noticing that the stuff you're putting in your body actually affects you. I mean, I think that notion right there is sometimes, I mean, for me, I don't remember the exact moment that I realized that, but it's definitely not something that I was taught as a child. Like I was never taught, yo, the food you're eating is going to make you feel a certain way. It was when I started my health journey, if you will, that I was like, oh, wait, the stuff I'm eating actually makes me feel a certain way. And maybe I can change and choose how I want to feel based on what I'm eating. Exactly. I mean, same here. I definitely didn't grow up with that kind of awareness at all. I was so disconnected from my body growing up. It took me until my early 20s to figure it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that note, I was listening to one of your podcast episodes the other day about your book deal and how you got a book deal and it was on something totally different than what you ended up writing, Eat With Intention. And so (laughs) I'm so curious for you to share you know, how that happened? Well, first, how did you get the like original book? Like what was your journey that you, you know, had gone on? I know there was some TV involved and some awesome stuff of New York. And then you're in LA and now you're writing a book on eating with intention. So I guess long thing I'm trying to say is tell us your story. (laughs) (laughs) The story is so long. Um, Let me try to think. Longer than my question. (laughs) (laughs) The Slack Notes version. Um, So, yeah. So, the blog started in college when I discovered my food allergies. That's kind of where it all began. Um, I had disordered eating from, like, age five onwards. was um, absolutely insane around food in my body. And it wasn't until I got sick with a bunch of food allergies and got all these weird, mysterious pains that I freaked out enough to want to befriend my body and to actually say, huh, um, like we're on the same team Mm. and I don't want to harm you. So that was kind of when it flipped and I began on my cooking journey because I never had cooked before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I had like messed around a little bit, but I was like by no means a cook. And so I just started learning how to cook vegetables. I went to the farmer's market in college, I went to the supermarket, I got a bunch of random stuff, and I would just mess around. Um, And some of it would taste absolutely horrible. And other times things would taste good. And every time something tasted good, I'd make a note of it. (laughs) And so funny, so simple. (laughs) It was so simple. And so like, I feel like that's like, (laughs) one of my characteristics in life um, is definitely like, I'm just like a DIY person. That's awesome. 
I am by far, far, far from a perfectionist. I'm definitely kind of someone that can be like air on the edge of sloppy, <laughs> but like I get it done. And I think that like, that's been something that's kind of guided me through this whole journey is that I didn't wait until like I knew what I was doing to like mess around. Yeah, that's awesome. Totally. So yes, that's when the blog started. My sorority sisters encouraged me to do a blog. And yeah, it was just like, it was just something I did on the side. It wasn't like a, I never expected to do anything uh, professionally with it. And then fast forward like five years, I'm living in Manhattan and um, I was still doing it just as, um, you know, as a side fun project to Mm -hmm. creative need. Just like a health food blog, right? With like recipes, that kind of thing. Recipes, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and the original blog was called Ghost Meat and Skinny. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Definitely eighteen. Um, <laughs> I know. I was just telling somebody about my first AIM screen name, Tally Baby 03. I feel <laughs> like that's a similar vein. <laughs> um, my first screen name was In Your Dreams twenty four seven. No, In Your Dreams. <laughs> That's kind of funny because it's kind of full circle for you because now you seriously talk about that kind of stuff, dreaming, and <laughs> but really talk about it. <laughs> I've been here all along. Yes. I've always been a big dreamer from a very young age. Yeah. Uh, I think it was one of my coping mechanisms for life and, <laughs> and it served me well. So yeah, so then I had my dark night of the soul around 25 and that's kind of when everything changed. And I I found out my little brother has a terminal illness and I ended a relationship with a guy I was with for three years and I just kind of felt like so lost and so dark and all the things. And that's really when I got on my knees and started praying, started talking to God, um, wasn't super religious up until this point. Um, not that it was, wasn't really even in a religious way. It was in like a desperate way. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I, I heard meditate. That's when I started meditating um, like a mad woman. I meditated like <laughs> life dependent on it. Like some people go to therapy or go on yoga retreats. Um, I just like locked myself in my New York apartment and meditated on YouTube videos. Wow. <laughs> that was my method of healing. And through that process, I naturally started gravitating more towards the blog. It just became this thing that lit me up, that made me happy, that made me feel like I was not so helpless. And yeah, and then people started paying more attention. And again, it was like, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. None of us really do. Right. I was like, I have no idea what I was doing. I was messing around. Mm -hmm. I made super ghetto YouTube videos. um, I think I saw some of those. Like I saw one, maybe you were in like Union Square. Yeah. Like a bench or a table. Yeah, that was like slightly less ghetto. Like the first ones are like incredibly ghetto. Oh, even like, more ghetto. Like, <laughs> oh my god. The lighting is like really dark. Um I'm clearly like on my laptop, like in a corner of my room. That's um, funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyway, ABC found one of these super ghetto videos of mine, which is another reason why I'm always like, F it, do it, don't yeah. wait to have it perfect to do it. Um, and they ended up yanking me and asking me to audition for this cooking show. Wow. And so that was really crazy. And the entire time I was like, again, like 
what that what in the world is happening and I am nowhere like prepared or talented or good enough for this um but there was just that part of me that's always like F it let's go who mm-hmm. cares <laughs> and so I just kept on saying yes even though I felt like a hot mess <laughs> and it worked out <laughs> And so at some point when I was on set, after like a couple of days on set, I remember like being on the Universal lot in LA because they had flown us out and put us up in LA for a bit to film it. I was just like, oh, like something just clicked. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I get it. Mm. And I just realized that, you know, I was put here to share a message, to utilize the skills and my own personality and, you know, kind of like the unique recipe that is me to be able to empower people to use food, to raise their consciousness, help them feel better and just live better lives. And so, yeah, shortly after that, I ended up going to a writer's workshop for Hay House because I was like, I had no idea. I knew I wanted to write a book. I knew there was a book in me. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know where to start or how to write a proposal. So I signed up for this writer's workshop and I did my thing. And my original book was called Sweet Skinny Serene. Nice. (laughs) And it kind of talked about that. And I ended up sending it into Hay House. They do like a contest for the writer's workshop and someone can win a a thing, a deal with them. And I won it. And... The thing I think a lot of people don't realize about like book publishing and stuff like that is that by the time you send in a proposal to when you get a yes, could like in that instance was like at least six months. Wow. You changed a lot. I changed so much. I was a different person by the time I got a yes. <laughs> wow. And I was, I mean, I was, I was so deep on my spiritual path at that point that I was like out evolving myself every week. Mm -hmm. I was just learning so much and changing so much and what I was talking about was changing and what I was passionate about was changing and, you know, it kept in the same container, but I was, you know, definitely evolving my conversation. So then you got the book deal and you're like, wait, I don't know if this is the same thing I want to write. I had the hardest time writing it. Right. Um, I really tried to, and then I thought maybe I can like modify it a little bit and it'll be better. And yeah, and I just kind of like gritted my teeth and white knuckled it for a bit. Mm-hmm. And, and it just wasn't happening. So <laughs> I did what I do when that happens. And I did this like crazy meditation. And I was praying about it daily and just really being like, you know, God, like if I'm supposed to write this book, I need help. Hmm. I need you to show me like, what does this book look like now? I need you to give me some sort of you know, tingles <laughs> to, you know, feel really compelled to do this. And I also was like, listen, and if this is not the book I'm supposed to write, then like, let me know what that is. So I kind of lived in that question and that prayer for a bit. And I was on a business trip to Shanghai speaking at this conference. And one morning I'm in my hotel room and trying to finish writing the book. And I accidentally like knock over my glass of water on my laptop. Oh. And my laptop breaks and I hadn't saved the book anywhere else. Oh. Yeah. So I lost the whole book. And I was like, all right, sign taken. Wow. Big sign. (laughs) So at that part, I was like, all right, good. It was kind of good. It was one of those things where I had like written out so much of it that it was 
it was almost like I was kind of like imprisoned by what I had already written. And it was kind of nice to have a fresh slate and be like, okay, you know, maybe it doesn't look anything like that. Mm. You know, maybe I can switch it around. So during this whole process, eventually I ended up going to Wanderlust, a yoga festival. Yeah. And I set my Wanderlust intention to have guidance about like what the book is and, you know, how it's supposed to come out and all this stuff. And just really a clarification on my message. Because at that point, it was really confused because I started in food and then I quickly fell into spirituality and I didn't quite know how to elegantly marry them. Mm -hmm. I knew that they were both really important and I wasn't willing to like lose either conversation. Yes. So I did this crazy meditation at Wanderlust and as we all do. (laughs) As we all do. And literally after this meditation I had this amazing download while I was in it and I saw myself just, you know, in this past life where I was in this hut and I am, you know, grinding like blackberries and basil down and like making these little elixirs and giving them to people and like giving them little matchas to go meditate on and little self-care assignments, these little like prescriptions for whatever's ailing them. Hmm. Um, And I woke up out of it and I was like, that's the book. The book is, it's a trifecta, it's the well-being trifecta, which I, I, I wrote about in it. It's the food, the meditation, and the self-care. It's like all three form a triangle that heals you Mm -hmm. um, and that gives you access to living your highest life. And so much of the conversation is about one or the other. Yes. And I really believe that, you know, what part of what I'm here to keep spreading is that it's all three that we need. And if you're missing any point of that triangle, then it doesn't stand, you know? Right. So literally the next day. I like write all this like word vomit out my, you know, laptop just so I have it. The next day I get an email. I'm in another yoga class um, from a publisher, (laughs) different publisher. That was just like uh, one of our authors is a real, is like a big fan of your work. She sent us some of your stuff over. We checked it out. We love you. Any interest in writing a book? Wow. Yeah. So I was like another very, like, I feel like the universe thinks I'm a little slow. Ah. So they make, like really clear for me. They're like, <laughs> let's like not make there a, any gray area for Cassandra. Yeah, spill water. Um, and yeah, and I sent them everything that I thought of, which was kind of like a crazy concept. We couldn't find any comp titles. Nobody was really talking about like there. I mean, no book. Um, we couldn't find at least before we published it had the you know recipes with mantras and meditations connected to it right. and like really talked about the full trifecta um and they loved it and they took a chance on it and the energy in that deal was so good and so right and really felt like I had an incredible support system and people that were really like fans and supporters yeah that um that was the book that came out and uh yeah that is wonderful. That is such an interesting story. And, and you know, what a little journey you've been on to get to this point. Not little journey, big journey. Yeah, it's been <laughs> a meditative <crazy> journey. <laughs> so then you wrote Eat With Intention, which really marries food, meditation, and self-care. And that is something I've never seen before. I mean, you actually have a meditation with each recipe in your book. Yeah, Absolutely. Every recipe has a mantra, and then the mantra kind of holds both of them together. So every recipe is 
like created with the intention of that mantra and the meditation is also there to support it. So I ideally want people to use the back of the book as kind of like an oracle deck. So you can use it if like, if there's something specific you're feeling a craving for, you're like, oh, I want these like barely baked brownies today. Uh Um, And then you can open that up and see, oh, okay, what, like, what was the mantra with that? Um, People ask me all the time if they have to do the meditation while they're eating. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) It is not designed for you to do the meditation simultaneously. (laughs) Okay, Um, good to know. eat, (laughs) Eat when you eat, meditate when you meditate. And yeah, you can do either or, but I just love the idea of like really trying to drive that concept home that they're all different kinds of food for us. Right. So how did you kind of realize that food's not just food? Because it sounded like, you know, you started with just a food blog and you fell into healthy eating and it was great. But when did you realize, wait, 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 there's more to the pie, you know, there's the meditation and the self-care and you really can't just do the food thing. You got to have the other two pieces in addition. Yeah. Um, I think I learned about self-care with the food. Um, because what I realized was as much as I was healed, you know, from my pain and, and everything that was going on at that time by learning to cook and by, you know, eliminating a lot of things that were bothering me. It was really also the pairing of having about really caring for myself and like nourishing myself for the first time and, and honoring the times when I didn't want to go out. I was in college at the time. So I was like in college, like everybody's partying, you know, it's not like the healthiest scene ever. And I was like a huge party girl for the first few years of college until Mm -hmm. I got sick. And so it was just kind of like being like, oh, well, you know, like tonight I'm going to go take a walk and like read a book. I'm going to like, you know, take a time for me, which was like revolutionary to me at that age. And just learning how that like hand in hand was so important for my healing journey and is such an important thing in my life today. Self-care, I think, is, I mean, I take baths all the time. It's my (laughs) favorite thing. And I really believe that in order for us to, you know, do the work we want to do in the world, to be able to create, like, I I call our, like, you know, our biggest, juiciest lives, um, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to be able to have that alone time or that, you know, rebalancing time. And then once the, you know, my dark night of the soul or eat, pray, love moment (laughs) happens um, and I found meditation, my life was never the same. Mm. It was such a game changer. It shifted the course of my entire life. And I really, to this day, I don't think I, I don't think I would have any, any of the beautiful things I have in my life if I hadn't found meditation at that point. I know my, my life would look very, very different. Well, let's talk about meditation a little bit. I mean, we haven't talked about it much on the podcast. And I'd love for you to share with us some meditation tips for for newbies or and or like what meditation looks like for you. Because I think there's a lot of different pictures painted about meditation. There's sitting and chanting. There's setting up this whole room with candles and music and sitting on a certain special pillow. There's the Headspace app where you just plug it in. There's so many different types of meditation. And I'm curious, you know, when you say your life would never be how it is now without it, what kind of meditation are you referring to? And how can people kind of start doing that? Because I think everyone wants this amazing dreamy life that they know they can maybe have. And if meditation's a tool to get there, share, please. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I think it's just like food. 
where it's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. I think you really have to try on different things and see what works for you, see what feels good in your body. So it makes me sad when people try one thing and they're like, oh, I don't like meditation. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's like, it's the same thing as saying like, oh, like I I tried a I tried Brussels sprouts and I don't like them. So I don't like vegetables. Right. Right. Like it's the same thing saying that there are so many different kinds of meditation and you're not going to resonate with all of them. Right. There are certain kinds of meditation that I think if someone had, you know, taught me that was the only thing I would have been like, well, maybe I won't meditate. Mm. So I really think it's finding something that particularly resonates with you. And what I did when I first started was I really tried the whole buffet. Like, and in a lot of my classes, when I do like my own events, I try to do like four different meditations. I try to give like a meditation buffet oh, cool. and like different styles and different types so that people can really explore. Oh, wow. Like, you know, the Kundalini one we did was really energizing and I like that and it got me out of my head or wow, actually though, using that mantra really like made me chill out. And, you know, whatever it is. And so I think if you're just starting right now, or maybe you just like haven't, you know, you've been trying and like phoning it in, but you're not super into it. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, like go on an exploration, like take a month and say, this is my like exploration of meditation month. And write out all, you know, try a bunch of different ones. Go to, I mean, when I first started, I went to like a Buddhist meditation class in Brooklyn at a monastery. Hmm. Um, I went to Kundalini class. Um, I did a bunch of guided meditations on YouTube. Um, I did some like basic mantra meditation. I just tried all the things. Wow. Um, like, and this is before apps. We didn't have, I didn't have apps back in the day. Yeah. But to be honest with you, I've tried a lot of the apps because a lot of my clients want to use them and I can't get into any of them. So, Interesting. so I just want to say that if you're like trying apps and you're like super not into it, don't be discouraged. Cause if that was my first introduction to meditation, I don't know if I would have been into it either. Wow. For me, Kundalini was my favorite off the gate because it gave me such a visceral shift in my energy. I could feel it, the difference between when I started and after it. Mm -hmm. So I really explored a bunch of Kundalini meditations on YouTube um, and I found one and I committed to it for 40 days. One of the other things I started was doing a visualization of the life I wanted to live. And, um, this is also a great meditative practice in the morning. I have a free YouTube video called it's your inner rock star meditation. If anybody wants to try it out, I can guide, I guide you through it. It's like five to seven minutes long or something like that. So it's super quick, but it just like, it's one of those things I started doing. I would actually write out how I wanted my life to be and like, you know, all the different things. And I would record myself saying this thing and I would listen to it after my kundalini meditation and I kid you not um I've done that multiple different times I like update it obviously Uh and and my life today is very much what you know I described in one of those audio recordings wow so I truly believe in the power of that too and I think that's always an accessible way to get people started yeah. There's body gratitude meditation. That's another one I'm a big advocate for. You can do it in the shower. 
Um, what does that look like? What do you do in a body gratitude meditation in the shower? So like, just take a minute, like you just take a nice mindful moment while you're washing your body and actually give thanks for like all of your appendages. Like, oh my God, like my feet. Amazing. I get to walk today because my feet are working, right? My legs. Wow. My legs are supporting me. They're not hurting me. They're feeling good. They, you know, I'm strong, you know, just going like, as you're going up your body, I'm a big believer in honest body gratitude. And I think you know, most of us probably have areas of our body that like we're not in love with. Mm -hmm. And at least, I mean, I'll speak for myself, like as someone that has like worked through a lot of body image issues there. Now I'm pretty chill. But like, Mm -hmm. there were times when I'd be like, "Uh, no, I'm not great for my thighs. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So what do you do in that situation? (laughs) You get grateful for the things that you're genuinely grateful for. We can all be grateful for our lungs, for our heart, for Mm -hmm. our eyes, for our nose, for our ears for our hair or maybe if you don't like your hair then skip your hair <laughs> you know like skip you know skip yeah. the stuff that like does it and you're not but like there's so much about your body that's just amazing and miraculous that tune into that and just take that moment you know in the shower the five minutes you know close your eyes you know it's really nice to throw water on you and you're just you know taking some time to lather up and just take a moment and be like, wow, I'm so grateful. I get to live another day and I get to move around this world because I have this gorgeous body. That's so true. That's so powerful. I mean, we take so much for granted. You know, my male woman who delivers our mail in our building every day has a prosthetic leg and she wears shorts all the time. And she's a male person on foot in New York City. And she's walking around with a big ass smile on her face. And every time I see her, I'm just like, I look down at my legs and I'm like, wow, I take these things for granted every day. And sometimes I talk shit about them to myself in my head, you know, but just so I think thinking every day about how grateful you are for the stuff that you completely take for granted is incredible. I think that's a really cool place to do it in the shower too. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. It's like, we're so blessed to be able to take so much for granted. Mm. That's something I always find myself saying in my, um, my meditation classes where, you know, with our body so often we don't appreciate it until something goes wrong. Mm, It's so true. So true. Like I'm prone to getting canker sores when I, when my immunity is compromised a little bit, like if I'm traveling or just dealing with a lot of stress or something like that. And every time I get a canker sore, you know, I get them on my tongue. I just, I can't stop paying attention to how much this thing hurts so bad. And then I always laugh at myself and I'm like, Think about all the days that your tongue is perfectly comfortable. You never go around thinking, wow, I'm so grateful that my tongue feels great today. Like you don't go around, oh, wow, it's so nice to be able to like eat this, you know, lemon dressing without wincing. Like I never do that except for when I have a canker sore or, you know, if I'm stuffy in my nose, I'm never like, God, like today I don't have a stuffy nose, but I never said to myself today, I'm so grateful that I can breathe properly today. (laughs) You know, right? it's so silly. I have the same thing. Like I get sinus infections Mm. and Usually when I'm like overworking. Uh-huh. That's so funny. Clear sign. Always clear sign. And I literally like I take for granted on all the days when I'm like feeling a hundred percent and yes. maybe just like procrastinating or whatever I'm doing, you know. But then when all of a sudden you're sick, you're like, Oh my god, I legitimately don't have the energy to do this. Right. Like <laughs> Or like what I would give for a clear sinuses right now. Right? So Seriously. Funny. Yeah. 
Amazing. Wow. All right. So I love the shower body gratitude. I like the idea of trying on different meditations. I mean, it's kind of like exercise too. You know, you said it was like food. I also think it's like exercise. I mean, you wouldn't just go out for a run, not like it and be like, that's it. I don't like exercising. There's so many other types. Exactly. And it's so, yeah, it's so important just to find what resonates with you. And just like exercise, just like food, I mean, it's a moving, it's a moving, evolving thing. Right. So, you know, you can always, I've, you know, I still do Kundalini, but um, I've also done Vedic and I really like Vedic. I mean, I try all the things. I spice it up. Yeah. And I think it's important to just be, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I tell people, um, I got my little brother to start meditating by just sending him like guided meditations for like deep relaxation. Mm, that's nice. <laughs> and we like lay in bed and listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works. You that's know, what I so love to do. Like find your entry point. Yeah. And um, I always tell people, you know, you know, you can uh, meditate like you medicate. And for me, I dove in real deep because I was in a ton of pain. Mm. So you didn't have to tell me. People are always like, how long do you have to meditate when you start off with? Right. As long as you need to. I think just showing up to it is great. So whatever you can commit to to do regularly is fabulous. I mean, when I started meditating, I was probably meditating more hours a day than I was doing anything else. Wow. I was in so much pain. And meditation was my relief. Mm -hmm. and it gave me like a sunbeam in the middle of the clouds. Mm -hmm. So I really needed a lot of that, but I always say it's like, it's like if you stub your toe, maybe you'll take like an Advil. I don't know if you can take, I don't take Advil for that, but like if you did, (laughs) let's say you take an Advil, if you stub your toe, if you like chop off your foot, you're not going to take one Advil. Right. (laughs) Right. And expect it to work. So if you're in a really dark place right now, if you're struggling right now, if you're anxious or frustrated or you're just in like a, you know, a low point in your life, then pile on some meditation and it'll, it'll help you um, move through it. And if you're doing good and maybe just want to be more mindful, want to get more in touch, want a little stress relief, then yeah, you can start off with five to 10 minutes and, and that'll also be really helpful for you. Totally. What about meditation with food? I mean, bringing it all together with your book and, you know, the triangle, you were saying food, meditation, self-care. Do you, and you do have the mantras and the meditations with each recipe. How do you see food and meditation going together? Um, I see them as both parts of, of your life. But um, together, you could do a food meditation for sure. I think with food, it's more like for me, cooking is the meditation. Um, The cooking and the baking, that is the meditation. That's when I'm really just in the zone and just there with whatever I'm making and infusing love into everything I'm making and probably have music on or mantras in the background. And that's really the meditation for me. And then eating of it is really just about, again, being with it, like not being on your phone, not reading a book, not watching TV. You'd be surprised how many people don't just sit at a table and eat food. Right. So that I think is the key to it. It's just actually being being present with your food and enjoying your food and being present with each bite and not feeling the constant need to distract yourself. Right. And that, I assume, goes with the whole eating with intention thing, right? Being present. Absolutely. Yeah. Being present with your food, not being on autopilot, not shoveling things in. I mean, they released some studies that, you know, were saying about the difference between how 
uh, Americans eat versus European. And they're saying with Europeans, it's something like 70% of their meals they spend, you know, sitting at a table, oftentimes with friends or family and loved ones. And, you know, that's it. With Americans, it's like 70% of our meals are eaten in the car, mostly alone or in front of a TV. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. And, you know, food, absolutely eat food with people you love, like, you know, share food that way. If you're going to be distracted, you know, be distracted because you're, you know, you're surrounded by people that are sharing the meal with you that are brought together with the meal, but don't be, you know, shoveling something in the car if you can, if you can help it. And uh, don't be eating in front of the TV or while you're scrolling through Instagram, because first of all, you don't get to enjoy it. Um, and I do believe that your body digests it better and you'll be more connected to when you're actually feeling full and how the food is feeling going in when you are just focusing on it. The other really important part of eat with intention for me is what is the intention that you're eating from? Because this is the, I think the thing that I struggled with a lot and I think a lot of women do is are you eating that kale salad from a place of self-hate? Or are you eating it from a place of self-love? Because I know so many women who are pretending to eat that kale salad from a place of self-love that are actually only eating it because they hate their body. And that's, you know, a question you got to get real, real honest with yourself. You know, am yeah. I drinking this green juice so I can post it on Instagram so I can you know, show people that I'm like super healthy? Or am I going on another juice cleanse because I want to lose 10 pounds so I can wear that bikini or whatever? I think there's such a blurry line with the clean eating, healthy food stuff. It's really just asking yourself, hey, you know, I say this, I would rather have you eat the bagel from a place of love and just taking care of yourself than have that smoothie because you don't feel like you're good enough. Oh my God. I always say, I'd rather you eat French fries with a smile than Brussels sprouts with a bitch face. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I genuinely think that that energy and the way you eat something totally affects how your body absorbs it. Absolutely. I think every, you know, if anyone's like, ah, I don't know, like <laughs> we can all think back on that time in our lives where we were like, I'm sure you're probably in that time in your life right now, must just got engaged, um, where you're just like super happy and kind of like high on your own supply and like just in a really good spot. And like you can kind of pick out on pizza and like maybe you can, you can get away with a lot. Right. If you're eating from a really happy high vibe place, I'm not saying that's an excuse like go get in and out, but it really does matter. It really does matter. So, you know, if you're going to eat that, like these days and I'm working, yeah, I do eat pretty healthy and I eat it from a place of self-love because I know that like if I eat a crappy lunch, then my productivity level is like shot for the day. Right. So I want to eat a nice lunch because it's important to me to have like my head right for the rest of the day. But again, like it's it's really just being able to be honest with yourself and knowing. And there's been so many times, you know, if I feel like everybody honestly has like a history of like some sort of disorder around food or some weird relationship with food in our body. Right. So wherever you're at with the spectrum with that, like for me, as someone that definitely had that going on, there are so many times where like, you know, maybe I'll try in a pair of jeans and they'll be a little snug and I'll be like, ah. um, and then my instinct will be, 
I'm just going to have smoothies all day. Mm. And whenever that comes up, I'm just like, okay, so I'm purposely not having smoothies at all. Ooh. At all this week. You know? Why do you do that? How come? Because I know that the reason I'm doing that is from a bad place. Right. Not a self-love place. Not a self-love place. It's like, I think the classic example is you go in to try a bridesmaid dress. And of course, the, you need to get a dress that's like three times bigger than like you expected because bridesmaid dress sizes are insane. And you start feeling crappy about yourself, right? And then you're going out to dinner with all of your friends after that. And like, what do you want to do? You want to get the smallest salad on the menu right. because now you feel like crap about your body. And in times like that, my, like, this is something that helped me, like, move through a lot of my disordered stuff. To say, okay, well, if that's, if that's what my, like, sick head wants to do, then I'm going to purposely counteract that and get the thing that I genuinely want. Wow. You know? Like, that's, I'm going to get the gluten-free pizza. F it. Ah. You know? Because to me, that says, that's me saying to my body, I love you still. Wow. I love you no matter what. And so if I know in my head, my head is like trying to convince me that I should go on a smoothie diet or something like that, then I'm like, no, I really love having Ezekiel toast for breakfast. Yeah. You know, you're going to have your Ezekiel toast for breakfast. You're going to have for breakfast every day and not having smoothies this week because you're punished. Mm. you know? But like in a good way, it's like me holding court and saying like, no, I'm not going to let that crazy thought or that negative self, you know, voice come up and get to dictate. So I think... That to me is the basis and the heart of eating with intention. It's really eating from a place of genuine self-nourishment and not and not trying to hurt your body or change your body or eat from a place of feeling like you're you're not good enough or you have to shrink. Well, here's an interesting question, maybe a challenging question even. Do you believe that you can love your body and also want to lose weight or tone it up or, you know, change it? at all at the same time do you believe that those two things can go together oh absolutely how in like a good way like in a healthy you know mental headspace and and dietarily way like how can you do that um i think like if you're not in a healthy weight range loving your body will always go hand in hand with helping you get to a healthy place because part of loving your body is wanting to take care of it and wanting to do what's best for your body. And so when you're wanting to do what's best for your body, you know, you want to choose the Ezekiel bread with avocado over the donut or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, when you start learning what feels good for your body, you realize that most of the stuff that like makes us fat doesn't feel good to our body. Right. <laughs> um, so it's, a na- it's actually like a natural process that happens. Like, if you really start loving your body genuinely, you won't be able to keep the weight on. Interesting. But I think, you know, there are lots of levels of that, right? There's there's one thing to, like, post a picture on Instagram and say, I love my curves. And there's a whole other thing to do, like, the deep, deep, deep self-work to genuinely love your body. Yes. And I think there's, there's a lot of surface-level body love. And, like, whatever, that's great. Great to stand for it. But when you have deep, genuine body love that I think really comes from making it a priority, making loving your body a priority. And oftentimes, I hate to say it, but, you know, sometimes it does come from having a health challenge or having someone you love have a health challenge to really smack you straight. Yeah. (laughs) And to kind of say, oh, wow, I have this beautiful gift here. I want to take care of it. 
And so, yeah, I think when you're taking care of it, then you're going to want to work out. You're going to want to, you know, maybe not everybody's going to want to go paleo and eat CrossFit, (laughs) but like you're going to want to be like, oh, wow, like how, like what feels good to my body? You know, I love like a good yoga class makes my body feel amazing. Like when I go to like, uh, like a hard, like weightlifting, like class at the gym, like I don't like it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you know, in my head, I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, I'm not going to go to that because I want to go to the thing that like feels good or the thing that makes me feel like energized, even if I'm sweaty afterwards. It's just coming from that place. And so it's different. It's like, yeah, you can look at yourself and be like, you know what? I want to get, want to be stronger. I want to be healthier. You know, I might need to lose 10 pounds or wherever you're at. Um, Gary Vee has this great expression for business that I think uh, works for everything in life (laughs) and he calls it uh the clouds and the dirt and the clouds is like kind of like what your big picture is like what your goals are what your dreams are all that and the dirt (laughs) is like the day-to-day grind right and you always know that the clouds are there but you gotta put your hands in the dirt to get there Mm. so i would say like your clouds are is your like idea of like a sexy strong healthy, radiant body, whatever that looks like in your head to you. And the dirt is on the day to day saying, okay, I'm going to show up. I'm going to go to the gym because I want my body to be strong. I'm going to make this smoothie today for breakfast because I want to feel energized. I I just worked out and now I want to feel great after the gym. So I'm going to have the smoothie because that feels like me stepping into those clouds. And so it's doing that daily dirt work. (laughs) So I think absolutely it can go hand in hand with toning up or losing weight. But that's, but the difference is, is the intentions behind it. Yes, you're so right. Your body wants to be slim. Your body wants to be sexy. Your body wants to be strong. Your body wants you to be radiant and glow and have endless energy. Like that's what your body wants for you. And so you helping it get there is fantastic. And you can absolutely do it from a place of love, but you just have to, it's again, it's like having to be real, real with yourself. Be like, am I real, real, (laughs) be real, real. You know, are you doing it because you want to look like some celebrity and like, you know, you know, I think when we're all honest with ourselves at the end of the day, we know. And if you're struggling with that, then it's just, it's doing the thing to, to hold yourself through it, to be able to be your own best friend through it and to be compassionate and to do it in a way that works for you and that feels good for you. So would you say then that eating with intention is the same thing as making peace with your body or that, you know, they have to go hand in hand, that when you love your body and, you know, want choose to actively nourish it and choose to love it over anything else, then you'll you know, intentionally feed it the stuff that will help it be its best and, you know, move it in ways that it'll intentionally be its best? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hand in hand. Well, one thing on that topic I want to ask, and then I'll, you know, let you go and all that jazz. But, um, you know, everyone's always talking about listening to your body, listening to your body, listen to your body. But I'm curious from your perspective, what does that even mean? Because I feel like the line between my body is craving kale and my body needs ice cream is a very, very thin line. Mm. Yeah. So genuinely, again, this, is, <laughs> this goes back to 
you know, getting really real with yourself. Real, real. The real, real. <laughs> the real, real. Um, I think body wisdom is like one of my biggest teachings. I really believe that our bodies are here as great truth tellers and we can really use them when we connect with them, when we make peace with them. That's why I think the whole eat with intention thing is so important because it's just the, it's like the basics. It's like the primary step so that you can like kind of unlock this massive superpower that is being able to listen to your body. Because if you don't do step one, it's much harder to get to step two. Because if you're still in a battle with your body, you're on a very fundamental not listening to it. So once we clear up that and heal that, and you, 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 know, you start listening to your body, become the food detective, you start being in touch with your body. And that's like the little thing. It's like being able to say, you know, I'm not feeling like crossroad today, going to go to soul cycle or whatever it is. Just knowing, mm-hmm. getting to know your, your specific body. And then getting to the place where you start listening to it. And I, I have a meditation for this. And I always encourage people to like make it a practice in the beginning. Like my body talks to me. Our bodies are talking to us throughout the entire day. But in the beginning, it's nice when you're kind of deepening that communication and that connection, especially if you haven't been talking to it um, or listening to it, to give it that little space to create a, a sacred area to really tune in and ask it and say, hey, how am I treating you? Is there anything you need right now to nourish you? Is there something I'm doing that's hurting you? And when you actually like take some time and some silence and some reflection and and, you know, I always say, like, put one hand on your heart, one hand on your navel. Just ask your body. That's mm. when you you will start to hear things. And you'll start to notice what feels good and what doesn't. And I mm-hmm. venture to say that most times it's our head that says the ice cream, not our body. Yes. I was just going to say, I think it would be unless you're severely depriving yourself, like yeah. you're on some two-week juice cleanse. Yeah. I can't imagine you sit in that moment to be like, my body needs ice cream. You know, unless you're like really severely depriving yourself. But I, I you're right. It's a head thing. It's you, you're scrolling on Instagram and you see somebody's ice cream cone pick and now you're like, God, I need ice cream. Or, you know, you're watching TV and you see a commercial or you have a song that you hear that like brings you back to a time when you ate ice cream like a few months ago and it was like this happy time or a vacation. I think you're completely right that these kind of unhealthy cravings, if you will, and you could argue ice cream's not that terrible, but you know, just for the sake, are more from our head and the nourishing decisions are more from our, I guess, gut and intuition. Yeah. And I mean, things like when it, when it's those, those kinds of cravings, like the, what we could call like, let's say for lack of a better term, like the quote unquote more naughty food created cravings, mm-hmm. like those cravings are usually, if you tune into your body, when you want ice cream, what I guarantee mostly what you want is emotional support, comfort, being sweeter to yourself. Um, this is one of the things I talk about in the book, like decoding your cravings. Like my dad's so sweet, like greatest dad. But like growing up when I was sad, he would always be like, let's get ice cream. Right. And that is, you know, doing his thing, trying to cheer me up. But then what happens is that, and so many of us have like a similar association with that at some point, you know, you get your heart broken, your girlfriend's come over with pints of Haggadahs or something, you know? And totally. so all of a sudden it's like, ice cream is my friend. Ice cream heals my heart. <laughs> and yep. we have that connection. So oftentimes when I'm really craving something like that, when I'm like, oh my God, I want like chocolate cookies, which is my like favorite craving. Um, 
I ask mm-hmm. myself, am I like really craving chocolate chip cookies? Or have I just not mm-hmm. been giving myself enough love? And oftentimes, you know, if I light some candles, take a nice bath, you know, make myself some tea and do something that's going to fill my cup up, then the craving vanishes because what I really wanted was to just be sweet to myself. Wow. Um, and with, with, salty, <laughs> with salty cravings, like if your cravings like go more towards like chips and stuff like popcorn. that, popcorn, that sometimes is a craving for more like fun and adventure in your life. Ooh. Yeah. So you kind of want to like spice it up. And <laughs> I crave popcorn a lot. I guess I need to take a trip, go zip lining or something. <laughs> yeah. Tell your fiance. I said, oh, I got to take a trip. Next time I, I get a popcorn, popcorn craving, I'm like, we got to go zip lining. <laughs> I'm going to Costa Rica. <laughs> that's so funny. So that's salty. That's interesting. So sweet and salty. When you tune in, yeah. you can ask yourself, like, what am I actually craving? You know? Yeah. Do you think our bodies just know? Like for somebody listening who's like, what the hell are you girls talking about? When I'm craving popcorn, I'm craving popcorn. End of story. How would somebody, you know, start to find the deeper craving in their meditation? Yeah. And just asking, <laughs> just showing up for it. It's really just showing up for it. It's like building a muscle. So it's, it's here. Your body's here. It's waiting for you. And it's the same thing as like, you go on a date and you know within like the first 10 minutes if you want to see this person again, right? And it's like nine out of 10 times unless the person says something like horrendous. Like if it's like a perfectly normal, like likable human in front of you, mm-hmm. then usually it's just a body feeling. It's just like really your true. body is just like, oh, no, no, sorry, not this one. And vice versa when you go on a date and like the person could like, it could, he could make no sense. But your whole body is like, oh, yes, we have to see this guy again. Hmm. And, you know, you can think about that in any terms. I think that's the easiest one sometimes for people to grasp. But, you know, same thing with jobs and and contracts and stuff like that. Like if you've ever, like some contracts and some partnerships and stuff like that, it just feels so good in your body. It feels light and free and easy. And other things can, like, give you, you know, an upset stomach, you know? Right. So true. Yeah. And so it's just, it's the same thing. It's like just tuning into all of those things. When I first started um, taking it to the next level, well, I mean, I first started with being the food detective and that was kind of my thing. It's just like, I think that's the best place to start. Just start noticing, like start keeping a, like a little log of like what you're eating and how you feel when you eat it. And you can even take, give you want extra credit, take little notes about how you're feeling when you made the decision to eat it. So if you're like, oh, wow, I was really stressed after work and then like happened to stumble into Magnolia Bakery, Uh, (laughs) you know, just making those little like connections for yourself. And then um, from that, you can take it, you know, you can start asking, you know, start asking it, start giving it love in the shower, start just taking those moments, those little breaths in your day to really tune in, be like, okay, what do I need? Like, what do I really want? What's going to feel good right now? Um, And then I love taking it to an even next level. And when someone, when anybody asks me to make plans, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's like an event I get invited to for work or like an interview or a date or just hanging out with a friend, like whatever it is, I always ask my body first. Mm-hmm. And I did, I started doing this like a few years ago and I did it really intensely for like 
a month and like promise myself that whatever my body said, I would listen to. I ended up saying no to a ton of events. Wow. Um, Because my body was like, no, please. (laughs) And the result of that was that I was so much more empowered. I felt so much more free. I had more energy. I was healthier. Things were feeling so good. And to this day, like when I say yes to something my body's a no to, I suffer. Yeah. So it's just it just all those different ways that we can just respect it and tune in. That's so important. Tune in and respect the bod yeah. for real, real. <laughs> Well, all right. So speaking of respecting your bod, I have a few personal food questions for you. Do you have a favorite plant party restaurant? Just like a plant-based restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, um, so many. Uh, New York or LA, does it matter? Both, one in each. Okay, so in New York, um, for like fan fans, it would probably be uh, Candle 79. Mm-hmm. And But also I have like, such a weakness for Dunwell Donut. Oh, yes. I want to get those for our wedding. <laughs> so insanely amazing. They're so good, Dunwell. Um, so that's my name. And then LA, I really love Crossroads. Um, I oh, think I've heard of it. There was this restaurant in Santa Monica called Urban that was absolutely insane. Um, it was probably the best vegan restaurant I've ever been to, but for whatever reason, they just started adding some meat to their menu. That's pretty unusual. Yeah. The, the chef um, is not like a plant-based chef, but was just trying out his hand at it. Um, oh. And it was literally insanely good. But I guess, I don't know, people push back. But is it still good? I haven't been there since they added meat to the menu. Just because oh, when they added that, they took away some of my faves. Oh. <laughs> sure. Oh. All right, so TBD on Urban. <laughs> but Crosswoods is good. What's your favorite plant to eat? Brussels sprouts. Ah, that's funny because you said before that was your example of somebody trying Brussels sprouts, not liking it, and then saying they don't like vegetables. Oh, my God. My mom used to boil them and call them Martian heads. What? I used to hate them. I used to, like, be terrified of them. And <laughs> at some no point... Wonder. I had a chef boyfriend that it was like, no, like you just haven't doing it right. Yeah. And you just haven't had anyone like make it for you good. And he made me amazing Brussels sprouts and I learned how to make good Brussels sprouts. So how do you make good Brussels sprouts? Um, My favorite way to make Brussels sprouts is tossing them in like a Dijon glaze. Um, Yeah. So I like chop them up to like onion powder, garlic powder, a little salt and pepper. And then I make like a balsamic uh, Dijon glaze with some like Dijon mustard, olive oil, uh, balsamic vinegar, um, and whip it up and then toss them in that. And then I either uh, just saute them on a pan with like a little bit of coconut oil or roast them. That sounds amazing. And I'm hardcore craving them right now. So it's almost fall. So I'm going to be doing your thing all fall long. (laughs) Yeah, so fall. That sounds really good. What is your most used kitchen tool? Not counting my knife, right? Or is that you can count your knife? I love when people say knife. <laughs> I just think that's so legit. True, it's definitely my knife. My knife yeah. and my cutting board. Cutting board. You know, close second to the food processor. Yeah. Okay. Over your blender. Yeah, actually. I Same. Like yeah. Okay. What is a <laughs> book besides your own that has inspired you in some awesome way? Um, a Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. I feel like I have to give that a shout out. That was like a big, big game changer for me. 
I'm obsessed currently with Danielle Laporte's White Hat Truth. Really, really loving. Oh. Uh, I read that. Love it. Um, and then I'm just trying to think if there's like a food book I can say that really. I can't think of many food books that really inspired me besides like cookbooks. Yeah, I know. It's tricky. Um, Doreen Virtue has a book called Eating for Intuition. Oh, well, that sounds very fitting. Yeah. So that book is really fun. It really goes into how different foods kind of affect your spiritual connection. Perfect. So let's talk about appreciative for a sec. I remember when I introduced you at the Good Fest, I had the hardest time saying that word. And I literally just wrote it out phonetically. So I wrote appreciative. Because <laughs> I didn't want to mispronounce it. But talk to us briefly. What is appreciative? So appreciative is an online mind, body, soul support community. Um, I created it because I have so many clients and, you know, so many people that follow along with my journey that don't live in New York or LA and don't necessarily have access to my classes or, you know, the wealth of classes that we do on the coast. So it's essentially you get, I do like a new moon and a full moon workshop every month, meditation workshop, reflection workshop. There's a community, there's healthy recipes, um, different meditations in the community. There's pretty much every workshop that I've ever done um, saved in a library there. So if you are in like a spot and need to binge watch some content um, to help you out based on like whatever you're going through right now, there's a ton of resources. And I just really wanted to create an affordable, you know, like it's kind of a gym membership for your soul. So oh. I made it super affordable, like 25 bucks a month because I really – felt for a lot of people right now that really want access to the tools to um, shift their lives and don't necessarily have the the means to pay hundreds of dollars to someone. Um, but yeah, so that's Appreciate. Cool. Love it. It's a cool community. Awesome. So besides Appreciate, where else can everyone go to get lit up by you and get inspired on, you know, about eating with intention and everything that you have to offer, which is a lot, a lot of stuff. So um cassandrabodzak.com or i'm active on instagram instagram is my most active social platform which is also just my name cassandra Bodzak. and then um also on youtube there's tons of free content available on youtube for anybody um, who wants to binge watch some stuff <laughs> perfect well thank you so so much for coming on the show and talking about all this tricky stuff and giving us this awesome new um, shower meditation. I'm excited to try out. Yay! Of course! Thanks so much for having me. This is so fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. I hope you're ready to start paying attention to how you're eating your food. Like for reals, are you drinking that superfood smoothie potion thing because some Instagram person says she drinks it and wears a size two and poops out rainbows? Or are you drinking your smoothie because it truly brings you joy to put good stuff in your good bod? This is without a doubt the most important quote unquote ingredient for healthy eating. Your mood and your tood. Please do not eat Brussels with a bitch face. God, I should turn that into a book.
<laughs> I'm trying. Anyways, as always, the notes from this episode, and please go check out the notes because there are a lot and it took me a long time to do for you. They all live at partyinmyplants.com slash 52. And also, as always, you leaving a review of my podcast in iTunes more than just makes my day, but makes iTunes want to show it to more people so more people can listen. Thank you so much and enjoy loving your bod in your next shower.